our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Please remain seated. In his farewell discourse, Jesus contrasts two kinds of peace, a peace that he leaves with us and a peace that the world can give us. What is the difference? The peace that the world can give to us is not a negative or a bad peace. It's real and it's good, but it's fragile and inadequate. It's fragile because it can easily be taken away from us. Peace as we experience it ordinarily in our lives is generally predicated on feeling healthy, loved, and secure. But all of these are fragile. They can change radically with one visit to the doctor, with an unex unexpected dizzy spell, with sudden chest pains, with the loss of a job, with the rupture of a relationship, with the suicide of a loved one, or with multiple kinds of betrayal that can blindside us. We try mightily to take measures to guarantee health, security, and trustworthiness in our relationships, but we live with a lot of anxiety, knowing these are always fragile. Paradoxically, we live inside an anxious peace, a peace threatened by impermanence. As well, the peace we experience in our ordinary lives never comes to us without a shadow. As Henry Nouwen puts it, there's a quality of sadness that pervades all the moments of our life so that even in the happiest of moments, there's something missing. I remember being in an apple orchard with a dear friend, and I was up on the ladder plucking fruit for the winter, tossing them down into the moving basket, sharing conversation, and the pale light of the sun poured through cloud and leaf and branch and I distinctly remember longing for something beyond time and space. And yet I looked to my side, and I saw apples that were rotted, rotten, dying, and there was sadness. In every satisfaction, there's an awareness of limitation. In every success, there's fear of jealousy. In every friendship, there's distance. In every embrace, there's loneliness. In this life, there's no such thing as clear-cut, pure joy. Every bit of life is touched by a bit of death. The world can give us peace, except it never does this perfectly. And what Jesus offers is a peace that is not fragile, that is already beyond fear and anxiety, that does not depend upon feeling healthy, secure, and loved in this world. What is this peace? In her novel, Gilead, Marilyn Robinson describes an old Protestant pastor, John Ames, nearing death, who writes down for his seven-year-old son all the things that he will never be able to share with him when he's older. He writes that we are commanded to honor our parents, but no parent should need to be commanded to honor their children. This is the deepest impulse of parenthood. It is a delight in our existence like that of God. The old preacher takes pleasure in the particularity of his son. Here's what he writes. There's a shimmer on a child's hair in the sunlight. 
There are rainbow colors in it, tiny soft beams of just the same colors you can see on the dew sometimes. They're in the petal of flowers and they're on a child's skin. Your hair is straight and dark and your skin is very fair. I suppose that you're not much prettier than most children. You're just a nice looking boy, a bit slight, well scrubbed and well mannered. All that is fine. But it's your existence I love you for, mainly. I don't love you because of a particular thing. I don't love you for any other reason than the fact that you are. I wonder if this kind of love would birth peace in the soul. The point here is that God's love for us isn't something we can add on to our experience. God's love is the reason for our being at all. God doesn't consider our positive attributes and weigh them against our negative, and then based on the scales, decide to love us. God is glad that we are. An analogy from my childhood can illustrate this. I'm a few years older than my younger sister, my little sister, and she came home from nursery school one day with a drawing of our family. Now, I was only eight or nine and really no art critic, but there was very little I could recognize, not least myself. I was a dot. My mom was a hideous purple and black blob. And I remember seeing how happy my mom was to look at the picture. What in the world, mother? This is an offense to all taste and decency. <laughs> Thinking back on it now, I wonder if our relationship to God is like this. We bring our day to God, what we've made of it, and we trust that God isn't an art critic. God is a delighted parent, so glad that we are, that we trust God enough to bring whatever we've made and receive God's delight. Not in what we've made, not in what we've done, but that we are. I'm not sure what kind of peace you are looking for this morning. I'm not sure what you wish for, long for. I don't know the shape of peace in your own life, but I do know that there's something deep within us that hungers for peace, that searches for it, that loses sleep looking for it. Of course, we find our own versions of it, and yet so often it seems like a fragile peace, threatened by contingency. And there, it seems, a hunger for something more. The peace that Jesus gives is the very delight of God. And this goes not just for us, but for our neighbor, for our enemy, and yes, even for our spouses. Your being is delighted in. Muslim? Delighted in. Gay? Delighted in. Immigrant? Delighted in. Sinner? It has nothing to do with what you've done. It's that you are. Sure, we confess our sins every Sunday, but we do that not to earn peace, but to recognize that we are not our sins, which is so hard for us to believe. We do it so that we might stumble upon the delight of God's forgiveness again and again and realize peace. Peace is the result of a love that refuses to do anything other than delight in the life of another. But even this delight proves fragile. 
tilting towards impermanence, as all things do, as I saw in the apple orchard. But this is where we know that the peace that Jesus gives isn't just a personal feeling. It isn't just a delight in us. It's a promise about the whole human story. It's the gift of what J.R.R. Tolkien called the consolation of a happy ending. It's the secret joy that perceives that though history is a scribbly, artless sheet of paper representing very little of what it intended, it will be overwhelmed by the delight of another. Even death can't hold back the God who just wants to delight in our being. Of course, there are great defenses to receiving this kind of peace, to this kind of love. We've erected huge walls of unworthiness. We all tend to see ourselves as the saint of lost causes. We want peace to be something we've earned, sure. But this is the fragile peace that doesn't satisfy. It's never earned, only given, and it has been given you. When we were baptized, and as we were baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit, God slipped God's delight in our pockets, just like he's about to do for you, Henry. And he said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, this peace can't be revoked. It can't be changed, retracted, or diminished. And so when the peace that you've received from the world seems fragile, unstable, wobbly, remember God. Remember your baptism. It's here. God says, I'm so glad that you are. My joy will bear with you in life, and you will be my peace to the world. And my joy will bear you up in your death, and you will share in my delight forever.